On today's show, it's Festivus. We will be talking about feats of strength. We'll be airing grievances. We'll be talking about Festivus miracles. All Yankee-related, of course. Plus, we'll be talking about Carlos Rodon's press conference, which happened yesterday. And I'll give you my thoughts on what I saw in that press conference yesterday. All next on a brand new Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, Yankee fans. Welcome to a brand new Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube and hit the thumbs up button to like our videos, hit the bell so you're notified as soon as our videos go live. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So happy Festivus, everyone. Yay! Christmas it's Christmas Eve Eve, which I know is not a thing, but I I've been calling it Christmas Eve Eve for a really long time. But it is officially Festivus, and if you don't know what Festivus is, you're young and didn't watch Seinfeld. We'll explain everything in a bit. It's an interesting holiday that's been around for a while and uh, got popularized by Seinfeld. And actually, a bunch of Locked On shows did Festivus editions today, so um, I'm not the only one. And I did one last year as well and uh, had fun doing it. So let's talk about Carlos Rodon because I joked on the show the other day and I apologize for there not being a show yesterday. I had a really bad headache and I could not have ring lights shining in my face. So I'm feeling better today, so we're all good. I don't know what it is about, and I don't think I'm the only person who has this issue, but I don't know what it is about me not being able to recognize non-Yankee baseball players, although to be truthful, there are some Yankees I don't recognize without their hats on either. But I don't know who I was picturing when I was picturing Carlos Rodon, because when I saw him at the press conference yesterday, my first thought was, that's what he looks like. That's not what I pictured at all. I don't know who I was picturing. And I know he looks slightly different because he doesn't have facial hair, but not that different. I was picturing a completely different person and it's not the first time this has happened where I I just I don't know what it is I don't know if it's a non-Yankee player thing maybe it's very weird it's it's like I have there's a thing that people it's a it's a problem that people have it's called face blindness and they don't remember people's faces I don't have that issue usually but I have baseball player face blindness. That's what I call it. And yeah, no, I was not picturing him looking like that. It was very strange. I, yeah. All I kept thinking in my head when I was watching the press conference was, that's not what I pictured him to look like. Yeah, I was picturing someone else. And I still can't figure out who it was. Now, I will say this. I like that he wanted to be a Yankee. He basically came out and said, you know, I want to be a Yankee. Let's get this done. I want to pitch at Yankee Stadium. I want to be on the big stage. I know what it takes to pitch there. 
I want to be with these guys. I know what it takes to win. And I, you know how hype videos make you want to run through a wall? Not literally, but when you watch a playoff hype video or, you know, they put a video out of all of um, Judge's 62 home runs and it just like that kind of thing pumps you up. Listening to Carlos Rodon say that about the Yankees really kind of pumped me up for 2023. There's still work to do. There's still work to be done, still players to get and maybe players to move. But I like that attitude. And the other thing that stood out to me about Carlos Rodon, Bob Lorenz and Jack Curry were doing the interviews after the press conference. And during Judge's press conference, Meredith Morakovitz and Michael Kay were also there. And so some people were being interviewed by Kay and Meredith and others were being interviewed by Lorenz and Curry. But during Rodone's press conference, it was just Lorenz and Jack Curry. And Carlos Rodone comes over and he extends his hand to Jack Curry and says, Hi, I'm Carlos Rodone. Nice to meet you. And I just couldn't believe it. And it's such a sad thing for me to say that it's shocking when someone is polite and doing the thing you're supposed to do when you introduce yourself to someone. But I, it just, because it happened on TV, and I think even Jack Curry was slightly surprised by it because <laughs> just not like, hey man, how are you doing? It was like, hi, I'm Carlos Rodon. Nice to meet you. Like, they were asking him about his pitch selection and what the Giants did last year and how they had him throw not his changeup. And he was joking about how he liked his changeup and that he threw 26 of them during his perfect game. But he was going through like pitch combinations. And then he joked with Jack Curry. He's like, hey, I'm giving away all my secrets. You know, I don't want people watching this and figuring out what I'm going to throw to them. And I thought that was really funny. But he's I love I love pitchers talking about pitching. I know that seems kind of silly, but Lucas Giolito was on before the All-Star game in, I want to say, 2019, he was talking with the ESPN guys. It may have even been, actually, may have been before the Home Run Derby, but he was talking about pitching, and I sat there watching it, and I thought to myself, I could listen to this guy talk about pitching for three hours and not get bored. And I like when pitchers are willing to talk about pitching. And how excited it makes them feel to be on the mound and do their job, you know? And Rodone was teammates with Montas, which might help him. And Montas, help Montas. Um, I think a healthy Montas is going to be better. And, you know, looking at that rotation, Cole, Cortez, Rodone, a healthy Severino. We always have to preface that with a healthy Severino. And Montas, that's a pretty good rotation. That's a pretty solid rotation. And as I said at the top, he wants to be here. He made it a point to let everyone know, you know, I want to go to the Yankees. That's that's what we're doing. We're going to work this out because I want to be a Yankee. And that's what you want. You don't want a guy who's kind of like, eh. <laughs> You want someone like Garrett Cole. I've been a Yankee fan all my life. I want to play in the Bronx. And that's what Carlos Rodon is like. The Yankees, it's like the Mecca. You want to play for the Yankees. And he just looked jazzed. Now, Boone made a joke about the whole shaving thing and that he would get used to it. And um, 
I thought that was funny, but I really, I said it on the show the other day. I really wish they would relax with that rule. You know, Matt Carpenter's mustache was pretty funny last year, but I think they should let guys grow beards as long as they don't grow them, you know, like Justin Turner style. And like, if it's a neat beard, I don't see why it would be such a big deal. I wish they would relax that rule a little bit just to make guys more comfortable. Because I know it's got to be a pain in the butt to shave every day, and these guys aren't used to it. And Boone even made a joke that sometimes guys will let it go just a little bit, and they get beyond a 5 o'clock shadow, and he has to kind of go up to them and be like, uh, did you forget to do something? <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Now, he wasn't as long-winded in this press conference as he was during Judges, but Randy Levine... Randy Levine was speaking in place of Hal Steinbrenner. Hal Steinbrenner had to go to Tampa. They tried to make it seem that nothing bad was happening. And that's, you know, like he had to go to Tampa, but it wasn't a bad thing. But they were doing a bad job at convincing everyone that there wasn't a bad reason for him to be down there. But, you know, I haven't heard anything. So we'll see. But yeah, um, Randy Levine, very excited about Carlos Rodon. Very, very excited about Carlos Rodon. And he said the same thing that I just said, which now I kind of feel strange, but... He said that he liked that Rodon basically said, yeah, no, I want to be a Yankee. Let's make, let's get this done. Let's get it done. So, yeah. In a moment, we'll start our Festivus celebration with the airing of grievances. What are my Yankee grievances? Oh, <laughs> there are quite a few for 2022. There are quite a few, but in, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But first... Let's get serious here because this is actually very serious. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, everyone can tell. What makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today, the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Plus, instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So it's Festivus for the rest of us. And it is time for the airing of grievances. Ooh, what are my grievances? What could they possibly be? All right, well, the big one, and you know, if you've been watching or listening to this show for a while, you know how unhappy I was when the Donaldson, Isaiah, Kiner, Falefa, Gio Urshela, Gary Sanchez trade went down and then the twins got Carlos Correa. I did a whole show basically expressing my annoyance with Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman for that move. And then what happens? <laughs> Those two guys in the playoffs, 
Donaldson couldn't hit water if he fell off a boat. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa couldn't play shortstop. It was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my two biggest grievances for 2022. You know, I wanted them to succeed. I didn't want them to be bad. But it just didn't work out that way. You know, at least Donaldson wasn't terrible in the field, too. Because, I mean, well, actually, it may have been helpful if he were horrible in the field, because then he wouldn't have played. <laughs> because the Yankees probably felt, well, he's good at this area of the game, so we could still keep him out there as long as he's good defensively. And, uh, you know, maybe if he was bad defensively and bad offensively, we would have had someone else playing third base. Maybe. As for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you know, I was trying to be positive at the beginning of the season and talking about, you know, he's not going to hit a lot of home runs, don't expect a lot of power from him, but, you know, you may see him get some big hits in big spots, and he did do that occasionally, and, you know, he did have four home runs, and he hit a grand slam, which was shocking as heck, but who knows, it may have been one of those juiced balls that, uh, was it, wait, no, the grand slam, I think, happened at Fenway, so maybe it wasn't a juiced ball, hmm, Interesting, huh? You know, so I wasn't completely against it. Once everything settled down and I thought about it, I said, okay, maybe they're waiting a year for Peraza and Volpe to be ready. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is their stopgap guy, their, their person that they're just putting in there for 2022. But as the year went on, and as you watch more games and you see plays be made or not made in his case... It just got frustrating to watch. And what made it even worse was listening to Aaron Boone insist that he, Isaiah Kondrafalefa, was a good shortstop. The metrics are saying he's a good shortstop. What metrics are you guys using? Because how many plays did he make that could have been errors that weren't because, you know, Anthony Rizzo made a play or anyone else who was playing first because Rizzo was hurt for a little bit there. Um... You know, how many times did he double pump the ball when he he would scoop up a ground ball? And if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm demonstrating how he'd kind of double pump his hand and then throw the ball. And by the end of the year, I would cringe every time a ball was hit to shortstop. It was almost... I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it would be better if the ball got by him like the balls used to get by Jeter, but... I just, yeah, I'd be watching through my hands. And then, you know, the playoffs happened. And why would they bring him back into the playoffs? After what happened against the Guardians? Why on earth? Why? Why? So two big grievances. Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And again, I wanted to be positive. Once I was, once I got my anger out about the the initial trade, I wanted to be positive about them. You know, my, my, my thought when the season was first starting, maybe if Donaldson, Donaldson, Donaldson stays healthy, that's what I tried to say. You can get like 20 home runs from him or something. I know he's old, but he still has power and it just didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Another grievance. Aaron Boone in the playoffs. It, when I think about how the series against the Guardians shouldn't have gone to five. They should have won game three. 
how they should not have been swept by the Astros. They would have lost to the Astros eventually, but they shouldn't have been swept. It should not have been a sweep. But again, as I said the other day, if it wasn't a sweep, the Yankees might not have been as aggressive as they were with certain things. So this might be a good thing. Um, you know, it was like a blessing in disguise sort of thing, but it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been a sweep. There were some questionable, more than some, there were a lot of questionable pitching moves that Aaron Boone made. Now, when I did my crossover with Sully last week, he mentioned how Boone didn't do the whole punting the last game of a series thing that he did in 2021. You know, if the Yankees won the first two games of a series or the first three games of a series, it always felt like Boone was putting out the D lineup for the last game. Kind of like, all right, well, we won the series. And it felt like they weren't doing that as much in 2022. So there's one plus. But all of my grievances have to do with some of the bullpen moves he made in the playoffs and even throughout the season. There were some moves that, you know, came back to bite them in a lot of those games in July and August when they were doing really badly. There were a lot of close games that were decided because of stupid decisions that Aaron Boone made. Um, Either keeping someone in too long, not bringing someone in or not having someone ready to come in. Just, yeah. So those are my grievances. Because you can't, you can't have that many grievances about a team that won 99 games and won the division finally. Because, uh, God, the AL East has been won by so many different teams in the last decade. You know, we had that run where the Yankees kept winning. And then occasionally they get the wild card. But for the most part, they were winning the division. And then all these other teams started winning. It's like, where did you guys come from? No, 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 no. So it was good to see the Yankees back Winning the division, not having to go through the wild card round. That's also a good thing. Um, and the other grievances, like mini ones, Aaron Hicks, you know, coming back from injury, not doing well, then having another injury, playing really badly, you know, having his, that incident in that game against, was it the Red Sox or the Rays with the two really bad plays in left field? The one where he just left, let the ball bounce. And then the other one that flew over his head, just awful. And, you know, Boone had to take him out of the game. DJ's injury, but that's not really DJ's fault. It's just a bummer that that happened because, you know, the first two seasons, DJ LeMahieu was with the Yankees. It was great. And now all these weird injuries are popping up. So in a moment, we will discuss feats of strength and miracles. And you know what I'm going to be talking about, because it's pretty obvious what the feats of strength are. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, feats of strength. Aaron Judge. I mean, we have to talk about Aaron Judge and his 62 home runs. By the way, on Instagram, going through my Instagram stories, the Yankees put up, I think the Yankees put it up picture of Aaron Judge holding a 62 jersey and for a brief moment I thought to myself why is he holding Jabba Chamberlain's jersey 
just for a brief moment, maybe three seconds. And then I thought, oh, right, 62 home runs. 62 home runs. <sighs> Jabba Chamberlain. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a a blast from the past. So, yeah, the feats of strength. Uh, Aaron Judge, 62 home runs. The fact that he didn't start hitting home runs for the first, what was it? How many games did he go without a home run to start the season? You know, he wasn't looking good in the first, like, 10 games of the season. And then he just went nuts. And, you know, toward the end, the pressure seemed to have gotten to him a little bit. Um, but he was finally able to get 61 and 62. It's funny that he got 61 and 62 on the road, 61 in Toronto, 62 in Texas. But he got 60 at home, which was pretty cool. And that game, we can call that game a feat of strength. That was the one where they were losing to the Pirates in the bottom of the ninth and you know, he came up and he hit the home run. You're thinking, all right, cool. They're only going to lose by three runs. And then <laughs> before you know it, the bases are loaded for Giancarlo Stanton, who hits a line drive grand slam to win the game. 9-8. That game went to hell in a handbasket for the Pittsburgh Pirates within, I don't know, maybe three minutes, two and a half minutes. It was really quick. And um, yeah, good for the Yankees, but bad for the Pirates. And... Yeah, it was a lot of fun watching the Aaron Judge home run chase. We hadn't seen anything like that in our lifetime, really, because most of us weren't around in 1961. And I talk about that home run chase because it's Yankee-related. Some of you weren't really around or you weren't really watching baseball as intently when Bonds was chasing the home run record. I was. I remember the McGuire-Sosa summer, 98. That was crazy because you had that and then you had the 98 Yankees. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So watching Judge closing in on the Yankee record and the AL record was a lot of fun. We hadn't seen that in a while. And I went to a game toward the end of the season, the last weekend of the season against Baltimore. And it was something watching the entire stadium just stop what they were doing and watch Judge and all the phones out. I had my phone out, of course. And yeah, it was it was a sight to see. Unfortunately, he didn't do anything while I was there, but that's okay. It was still a fun atmosphere and just the the feeling you had whenever he came up where you were just thinking to yourself, oh my God, he could possibly hit number 62 right now. He did not, alas, and it happened in Texas, but it was still cool. Other feats of strength. Um, Anthony Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton hitting lots of home runs. That was kind of cool. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa's Grand Slam was a feat of strength because who would have imagined that happening? I mean, he hit four home runs. That's four more than most people thought he was going to hit, right? Um trying to think of other people hitting home oh, Matt Carpenter hello Matt Carpenter coming in basically from the dead you know oh yeah the Yankees signed him on a minor league deal yeah let's bring him up and then he comes out of nowhere with his WB Mason man mustache and bashes home run after home run after home run and as I said the other day you know DJ's injury was big but Matt Carpenter that was a big one that really was that really hurt the Yankees, you know, along with Michael King's injury, of course. 
in the bullpen. But yeah, the Carpenter one was a bummer just because it was so unexpected for him to come out and do what he did. And yeah. And again, good luck to him with the Padres. $12 million that year, that, that not even a year, that partial season with the Yankees comes up in May, gets injured in August. And in that time hits a bunch of home runs. So that helped him make that money with the Padres. So good for you. And then miracles. Hmm. It was a miracle we survived. No, I'm kidding. Um, Actually, it's a miracle we, we survived July and August. July and August was horrible. I told you all. I told you all. I always joke that I sometimes wish, sometimes wish, that the Yankees would do a full reset. Because some of y'all don't understand what it's like to watch a really bad Yankee team. And even the team in August, finishing 10 and 18, horrible. But they weren't getting killed every game. There's a lot of bad luck that went into a lot of those losses. And a lot of those losses were close. It wasn't quite like watching the 1990 team who lost a no-hitter for nothing because they couldn't play defense behind their pitcher, you know? So while July and August were not great, um, they weren't as historically bad as some people make them out to be, if that makes sense. Um... It was a miracle we survived another season of Aaron Boone <laughs> making managerial decisions. And, uh, yeah, how did we get rewarded? He, he's coming back. He's coming back. Will we survive 2023 with Aaron Boone at the helm? It remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. I'm trying to think of other miracles for the Yankees because I had a whole list and I lost it and I can't find it and it's not up on my computer screen. So I'm sitting here riffing right now. Mm. Well, Isaiah Kinderfalefa hitting a grand slam is a miracle too. It's a feat of strength. It's a miracle. It's, you know, no one expected that to happen. And I know a lot of people were actually laughing when it happened because of all people on the team to hit a grand slam, he would be the last one to ever... <laughs> You would ever picture hitting a Grand Slam? Oh. Well, will this, would this be... I guess it's a miracle. The Yankees actually doing well-ish in Tropicana Field this season. They weren't, you know, it wasn't like a house of horrors for them. And they did well against the Rays. They did well against the Jays. Um, you know, that helped them win the division. That that really good start that they got off to really helped them win the division as well because they played most of those teams up front. Uh, the scheduling was kind of weird because they played Toronto and the Rays a lot in the first half and then had to wait to play other teams in the second half. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a miracle that the Yankees went down to Tropicana Field and it wasn't a total horror show. Yeah like it had been the last few years. That was nice. Not that I was completely relaxed going into any of those series against the Rays, but it was, you know, not like other years. And looking forward to 2023, we don't have to worry about a role as Chapman. Yay. Finally got rid of him. Felt like forever, didn't it? It felt like forever for that deal to be over, but it's finally over. And as I said the other day, his whole not showing up 
for a mandatory practice. Um, yeah, that pretty much sealed his fate. That sealed his fate. So no more dealing with him. And oh, other news. Trevor Bauer's suspension is seemingly over right now. I think that's what happened. And the Dodgers have to figure out what they want to do with him. I am saying it right now. I do not want the Yankees going anywhere near Trevor Bauer at all. I will burn my tattoo off. In case you don't know, I have an interlocking tattoo. Uh, interlocking NY. This thing. I have this on my back. I've had it for 17 years. I will burn it off. I will cut it off my body if the Yankees go after Trevor Bauer. I don't think they would because I think after the Roldis Chapman, Domingo Herman kerfuffles and the bad press and, you know, nasty comments that they got from people because of it. I wrote something bad when Aroldis Chapman came back. I was writing for Baseball Prospectus at the time, and I was at the game when he returned from his domestic violence suspension, and I was horrified by what I saw at the stadium, and I wrote about it. That was six years ago. It might still be up on the internet somewhere. And the whole Domingo Herman thing. So the Yankees would be smart to stay the hell away from Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to recap, Carlos Rodon looked nothing like I thought he looked. I pictured him as someone totally different. He's very polite. He's fired up for the season. He likes to talk about pitching, and I think he's going to be a really good addition to the rotation. He reminds me of Cole in the sense that he likes to talk about pitching, and I think that's going to help the other pitchers on the staff. And I think the rotation looks great right now. It really does. I'm pumped up about this. I really am. It's Festivus. We aired our grievances. We talked about feats of strength and the miracles. Seriously, the number one miracle was Isaiah Kiner-Falefa hitting that Grand Slam. And yeah, it's we're here. It's December 23rd. It's Friday. The next show will be Tuesday. So I hope you all have a safe weekend, safe holiday, whatever holiday that you celebrate. And yeah, the schedule for next week will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because we're down to three days a week. And, um, you know, we'll see. I don't think anything's going to happen. Most businesses are closed. I know a lot of people are done with their work for the whole year. I know a lot of people were, there are a lot of memes going around today about how people are shutting their work laptops and they don't have to open them till 2023. But I will be working for you. So you will have three, at least three shows next week. I might do a surprise live show. We'll see how I feel. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, you can listen on every podcasting platform available. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, hit the thumbs up button and comment on YouTube and click the bell so you know when our videos go live. And thanks for making us reach 1,620 subscribers. I'm very excited about that. And thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen. Make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So enjoy your weekend. Be safe. And I will talk to you all on Tuesday.